a story like that, right? That's what it's all about. It's all about transformation through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that's why we're here. That's why we come to church. Amen. Absolutely. That's why we're here today. We want to grow. We want to move one step closer. So no matter where you're at in life, we want to make sure we're always moving one step closer. And so listen, if God is working in your heart today, here's the deal. At the end of the service, we're going to open the, the baptism back up, okay? So maybe you didn't know you were going to be baptized today when you woke up, but you can be. And so what, what's going to happen is I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then at the end of the service, we're going to sing another one or two songs. And if God is working in your heart and you want to be baptized, all you have to do is walk into that atrium. Pastor Jay is going to walk with you through that, and we would love to see you take your next step as well, okay? So just be thinking about that. Maybe God's working in your heart today. And so uh, baptism is a picture of our new life in Christ. Well, the resurrection of Jesus is super important in our lives, and so that's why we are celebrating Easter coming up. Can you believe it's already almost Easter time to celebrate the resurrection? So we just want to let you know all about our services happening here. We have, a 12, we have two Good Friday services, 1210 and 610 at all campuses, and then on Easter Sunday, we have a 5 p.m. here in Port Clinton, which we normally don't have. And then we have three on Sunday morning. And so we are asking that you register uh, your family as you come because as it fills up, uh, we want to make sure days like today, it's packed in here, all right? And so make sure you register. We'll, we'll pack this place out, okay? And so make sure you do that. And then also, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so very quickly, I'm going to wrap up this message series. And so we started by talking about fasting. And then we talked about shameless prayers last, last week, which is that, this idea that we want to keep knocking and keep asking because God is listening and God will work. And so today, we're going to finish talking about praying for others praying for others and how important that is in our lives. Because let me tell you, someone just told me right before Bob was baptized, that guess what he said? He's been praying for his classmates for years upon years. And look what happened. Praying for others is so important in our Christian lives. And so important that Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I urge you. And so he's talking to Timothy. He's talking to the church here. So people who claim to have faith in Christ, people who claim to know Jesus as their Savior. He says, I urge you, you, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. First of all. I urge you, pray for all people. I just want to highlight a few things here real quick in this verse. The first one is that phrase, first of all. I love it. What is he trying to say to us? What is he trying to tell us there? Is that we always have to start with prayer? That's a good thing to do. To start your day with prayer, before your meals to pray. That's, those are good things. But what he's really trying to say is that we as the church, we need to place a very high priority on praying for other people. Like, it should be, he's talking about the gospel-shaped life here. Praying for other people should be of utmost importance in our Christian lives. That's what he's trying to say. First of all, as a believer, as a church, guess what? Pray for all people. Pray for all people. It has to be an important part of our Christian lives. And then you have to ask the question, well, what does he mean by all people? 
What does he mean by all people? And here's very simply what he's talking about. And maybe you can relate to this. Often, I, I, pray, I, like, I pray for myself. Hopefully you do too. It's good to pray for yourself that God would work in your heart and in your life. It's good to ask God. Okay, He wants us to ask and pray for ourselves. I, I pray very well for my family. I strive to pray for my wife. I strive to pray for my kids. I strive to pray for my family. Outside of that, at times, I struggle. What Paul is saying is he's saying we as the church, we cannot be so short-sighted to only pray for ourselves and our families. He says we need to make it a priority to have diverse prayers, diversity in our prayers, not just for ourselves, not just for our family, but everyone that we come in contact with. He goes on in this passage, we're not going to read it, to say, also pray for your kings, pray for your governors, pray for those in charge. What he's saying is that we need to make sure as a church not just to pray for our little circle, but yet we need to pray for people who don't believe like us, who don't think like us, who don't look like us, and who don't act like us. We as a church, we need to place praying for other people a very high priority, but not just the people we want to pray for, the people that God speaks to our heart that we should pray for. Even our enemies. Even those who have wronged us. First of all, pray for all people. First of all, pray for all people. He goes on and he says, intercede on the, their behalf. That word intercede means petition. And so here's, I'm just going to, I'm going to give you something really amazing here. Paul is really basically giving us some imagery here. And so that word intercede means petition. Well, the question is, who are we petitioning? Who are you going in front of? Well, Paul wants us to know we are to petition God who is the king. And so imagine yourself walking into into the throne room of God. Paul's saying, listen, the throne room is wide open for you. You don't need me. You don't need anybody else. You can go there yourself. We can walk into the throne room of God and we can petition on other people's behalf. Makes me think of Esther in the Old Testament when, when Israel was about to be destroyed and all of a sudden she has to walk into the throne room. She has no idea whether she's going to be killed or not. But you know what? She takes a chance. The king lets her in. And you know what she does? She petitions for her people. She petitions for other people. First of all, make it a high priority. Pray for all. Everybody. Diversity in your prayers. Think outside of your family. And thirdly, we need to petition the king. We need to intercede for them for their behalf. This is very important in our Christian lives. Because let me tell you, all of us have had people praying for us, haven't we? And I can tell you, a lot of people in this room, most likely, your lives have been changed because of someone else's prayers for you. So why on earth would, wouldn't we do it for them and for someone else? Pray for all people. So now that we know how important praying for all people is, the next question is, is what do we pray for? Well, we've got to follow Jesus' example. We've got to follow Jesus' example. Oh, I forgot to say this, okay? We want to pray for you specifically, okay? On, on Saturday, March 13th at 8 a.m., we're going to have an elder prayer right here at the chapel, okay? All campuses, if you need anything to pray for, 
anything, we, are, we want to pray for you. So if you show up at 8 a.m., we'll pray for you. There's going to be elders here, pastors here. It's going to be awesome. And so that's open for you as well. And so we know how important it is to pray. Now, what do we pray for? Well, we should follow the example of Jesus. Look what Jesus says. He says, who will then condemn us? And so, okay, who's us? He's talking about the church here again, people who follow Jesus. Can anyone condemn us? No, no one. Why? Why can't anybody condemn us? For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, but it goes further. And he's sitting at the place of honor at God's right hand. And what is he doing? Pleading for us. Pleading for us. And so this passage, this shows us, okay, what do we pray for for people? We should probably follow Jesus' example. Jesus is praying and pleading for our souls. For your soul, for my soul. He is at the right hand of the Father where he is intervening, he's interceding, he's petitioning the Father for you and for me. Why does he have to do that? Well, because there's no condemnation for us. There's no, so that we're not condemned anymore. We can have an assurance of hope. We can have a confident hope in Christ because of his life, his death, his resurrection, and the fact that he's at the right hand of the Father pleading for our souls. And so we as a church, we as a church can walk in confident hope because the everyday intervention of Jesus is happening. It's happening with you in mind. It's happening with me in mind. When I fall and I fail, guess what? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father saying, no, 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 he's mine. I died for him. I resurrected for him. When you fail and you fall and you make a decision that doesn't honor God, guess what? And you have faith in Jesus, guess what? Jesus says, no, they're mine. I, I, I have them. I, I got them. The death, the resurrection, and the intervention of Christ, the mediation of Christ, is of utmost importance because he's pleading for our souls. And so when you ask the question, well, what do we pray for? What do we pray for as a church? Let's follow the, the last example that Paul says in Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Here's how to pray for other people. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand that what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives and always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Notice how he doesn't pray for their physical health. Have you ever felt kind of stuck in that box of always praying for physical needs? Notice how he doesn't pray for grandma, okay? I remember as a kid, they were like, what do you need prayer for? And I'd always say my grandma, and here, I'm going to, full transparency, I'd lie. I'd be like, my grandma has a broken leg. She never had a broken leg. Because I felt in a box. I didn't know how to pray for people. I didn't understand it. We have to pray for their souls. Look, I pray that your love will overflow. He's talking about our love for God and our love for others. He says, I want your love for God just to explode out of you. 
Your love for others is to permeate out of every aspect of your life. And when that happens, guess what happens next? You will want to grow in your knowledge and understanding of him. When your love of God grows, your desire to grow deeper with him will follow. And then when your knowledge and understanding happens, guess what? That's going to motivate how you live, which is a pure and blameless life. We're not perfect, so obviously he's not talking about living perfectly because Christ did that for us. We don't have to live under that weight. Our knowledge and understanding motivates our pure lives, our blameless lives, and then when we live pure and blameless lives, guess what happens? It's already in yellow. You already know it. It says, we will be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The fruit of our salvation is what we produce in this life. It's what other people pick from our lives. Paul was not praying for their simple physical needs. I guarantee he did. I guarantee he did. I guarantee he prayed for their grandmas. But more importantly, he prayed for their souls. Their souls. Because that's what matters. Yes, we want to see people healed. Yes, we want to see people uh, get better. Yes, we want to pray for others in certain things. But ultimately, our prayers need to be deeper than that. We need to pray for people's souls, like Paul prays for the church. And so I just want to leave you with this today. Who are you going to be praying for? Think about it in your life. Is it one of your kids? Have they walked away? Have they never found Jesus? Have they never started a relationship with him? Is it a spouse? Is it a family member? Is it a friend, coworker? Who is it? Who are you going to walk into the throne room of God for? Who are you going to intercede for? Who are you? Who are you going to plead for their souls? That's the next step we all need to take. That's the next step. So listen. Before I go longer, I got to stop. So here we go. Like I said before, we're going to open this back up. And if God's really pulling at your heart to, to be baptized today, guess what? We have clothes for you. We have, we have towels. We have everything you may need. Okay? So when we stand here in a moment, all you have to do is walk out into the atrium. Pastor Jay's at the Welcome Center back there. And they're going to walk you through a few steps. We're going to get you changed into whatever you need to get changed into. And then you're going to come back up here. And then we're going to celebrate with you today. Okay? It's that simple. And so remember, baptism is in response to our faith in Christ. And so if that's your next step, we're going to pray for you. Would you stand with me? And as we're standing, if this is you, you can go out. If not, that's okay. We're just going to worship God in response to what we learned today. And so let's pray, and let's thank God for what he has done for us through Christ. God, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you so much that we can approach you. We can enter into your throne room on the behalf of others. God, I pray that you, you would work in our lives and those we pray for. We pray this in your name. Amen.